In my previous video, Pizza for Your Family Part 2, Connections to the Convicted, I talked a little bit about Laura Silsby, the woman that abducted 33 children from Haiti after the earthquake. I also discussed how she connects to Hillary Clinton and James Elephantis' lawyer, Max Maccabee, as well as his father, Michael Maccabee. The Maccabees were on the board of directors for the same orphanage that Silsby took those children from. Abducting 33 children without the proper paperwork amidst the chaos of a devastating earthquake under the guise of rescuing them is probably a rare event. However, there's more mundane adoption scams that exist and have been perpetrated by a multitude of people. From the website familyeducation.com, they have a page called Common Adoption Scams, which indicates to me that there's plenty of different flavors of adoption fraud. Here they list a few different types, such as money manipulators, adoption alerts, and guilt trips. Under money manipulators, for instance, they say, Beware of any agency that asks for a lot of money up front, even though there is no birth mother or child matched to you. Instead, if you decide to sign up with an agency, you should pay an application fee and a home study fee, which together may cost several thousand dollars, but should not run into five figures. Often, fraudulent agencies who receive big bucks up front will spend your money rather than putting it in an escrow account. They'll use any excuse to ask for more money. Excuses like birth mother funds or special fees or anything else that they can think of. Under the Adoption Alert section, it reads, Experienced agencies that handle international or U.S. adoptions may tell you that the total fees, including travel, range from about $20,000 to $30,000 and sometimes a few thousand more. Be wary if an inexperienced agency asks for a lot more. Anyone who asks you for more than $50,000 should be immediately suspect. One adoption applicant I know cried bitterly when her very high-priced adoption agency went under. She and her husband had given them their life savings. The agency had reportedly asked for more money, once supposedly to help the birth mother, and had implied that if she gave money faster, they would have found a child for her faster. But the agency didn't find her a child. They went out of business instead. Moral is don't pay more than several thousand dollars up front to cover the cost of your application and home study unless the agency can tell you the details about a specific pregnant woman or a specific child. Also, make sure you have a contract in writing. A contract doesn't ensure you won't get ripped off, but it does spell out the terms and conditions of your agreement and what you should be able to expect. Be sure to also check with your state licensing authorities to find out whether the agency is in good standing and whether any complaints have been made against them. International adopters are especially vulnerable to financial scams. I've heard of agencies charging up to $40,000, not even including airfare or more, to place children from Russian orphanages. Arrests have also been made in terms of adoption scams. Here we have an article published September 1st, 2005 from the Tampa Bay Times titled Couple Accused of Baby Scheme. A Dunedin couple were charged Wednesday with offering their unborn child to three adoption agencies, leaving three sets of prospective parents devastated and out about $13,000. Arrested were Michelle B. Pogendick, 22, who was five months pregnant, and her husband, Jeffrey Pogendick, 29, of 2991 Leisure Court. The case came to light when Tampa adoption attorney Jeanne Tate got a call in September from a Spring Hill couple asking her to handle the adoption of a child, Pinellas Sheriff's Detective John Spohr said. When the couple mentioned the birth parents, Tate told them, wait, I'm already dealing with that couple. Tate represented a New York couple who had already paid the Pogendicks $8,932 for pregnancy expenses. 
And of course we have the case of Paul Peterson, whom I mentioned in my last video as well. Here we have the report from the actualjustice.gov website. The report reads, according to the indictment, Peterson is a licensed attorney who practices law in Arizona, Utah, and Arkansas. Beginning in 2014, Peterson devised a scheme to defraud and obtain money, as well as property from unknowing adoptive parents and others. He paid pregnant Marshallese women large sums of United States currency to induce them to travel to the Western District of Arkansas and to put their babies up for adoption in the Western District of Arkansas. He purchased airline tickets for them and caused them to conceal their true travel purpose from the authorities in the Republic of the Marshall Islands as well as the United States. In furtherance of this scheme, Peterson caused adoption case files to be opened that were supported by documents containing fraudulent material false statements. He caused these court documents to be filed in the circuit clerk's offices in Washington and Polk counties and further caused case documents to be sent through the U.S. mail to government offices in Little Rock, Arkansas. Peterson is alleged to have intentionally concealed his involvement in the payments and conducted wire transactions to transfer more than $1 million into a bank account. The indictment charges that Peterson, for the purpose of commercial advantage and private financial gain, encouraged and induced three RMI citizens to come to, enter, and reside in the United States when he knew it to be a violation of the law. Peterson conspired to cause them to make false claims to government officials and further conspired to transport and move them within the United States. The indictment also charges that Peterson conducted wire communications in furtherance of his scheme to defraud and conspired to conduct financial transactions involving the proceeds of the aforementioned unlawful activities. A lot of these cases probably go unnoticed and fly under the radar based off the fact that no children is being abducted off the street or being trafficked necessarily. These are fraudulent activities that defraud parents that are hopeful in thinking that they'll be getting an adopted child, but they never do and instead spend their life savings. Here's an example of adoption fraud that was featured on primetime television with a couple that was defrauded. How easy would it be for someone to scam you? Everybody thinks, oh, I could never be scammed. I'm way too smart. This couple did all their homework. She told our agency that she wanted us to be the parents of her child. Our dream was finally going to happen. And still had their dreams shattered. So how can you be sure you don't fall victim to a scam? That's right here, right now. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been ripped off? Well, my guests today say they were, and their hopes and dreams were shattered. Susan and Anthony say that's what happened to them. And after years of trying to have children, they decided their only option was to adopt. So they signed up with an adoption agency. Makes a lot of sense, right? So you sign up with this agency. You, she starts asking for money. After um, she decided to match with us, um, well, actually, in our initial conversation, she did tell me that she would need some finan financial assistance, and we agreed. Then the, the, to me, that would seem normal, right? It is normal that because it is normal that you support the other, the birth mother, right? You can to a certain extent, right? This, this, the state laws regulate how much you can give them, when you can give them. So, so they can't ask for an exorbitant amount and you say you can't buy them a car, you can't buy them a house, okay. you can help with their living expenses. Now I got it. Were you ever suspicious? Actually, no. At the end of the show, the host brings out a special guest that volunteers to help 
the victims of this fraud, as the many talk shows like this tend to do. The man's name is Jeff Kasky at One World Adoption Services. Well, I know another lawyer, lawyer in Florida, you know, that's my home state, and uh, he actually lives where I used to live, and his name is Jeffrey Kasky. Jeffrey, come on. I met this guy several years ago, and he's an outstanding member of the community, just like Jeannie. And um, he, tell me, tell him about your company. You're not just a lawyer, you have a little company. That is correct. Um, I don't know if you would call it a little company. Where Big a, company. Uh, well, not necessarily. international conglomerate. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm a lawyer with an adoption agency in Florida called One World Adoption Services, and we're a Florida-licensed nonprofit child-placing agency. Okay, so I dragged you all the way up here from Florida because you volunteered and got involved and asked and said you wanted to do something, so will you surprise and tell these people what you want to do? Well, what I'd like to do is do everything I can uh, within my power and within the law to help you in any way I can uh, to adopt and that would be at no charge to you. That would be my Pro services would be yeah. my pleasure. However, it appears that after this show aired, Jeff Kasky and his One World Adoption Agency services ran into some issues. This is from the SunSentinel.com and was published October 3rd, 2007. It was titled, Two Adoption Agencies Sued. Two couples filed suit Tuesday against separate South Florida adoption agencies alleging breach of contract and a host of other claims. Palm Beach County couple Lori Barron and William Bermudez accused Deerfield Beach-based One World Adoption Services, which they say paid to conduct a home study, of interfering with their adoption of twins by offering to pay the birth mother money if she would place the children with their agency instead of the couple. Barron and Bermudez also accused the agency of threatening to have the birth mother arrested on an outstanding warrant if she didn't place the children with them, according to the suit. The birth mother breached her contract with the plaintiffs, they allege, and instead placed the twins with One World, which in turn placed the babies with another family. Now we'll fast forward in time to June 28, 2014, with a Reuters article titled, Atlanta Adoption Agency Closes After Charges of Violations in the Congo. This is regarding the same adoption agency from the last article I just showed you, One World Adoption Services. And the article goes on to read, An Atlanta-based international adoption agency will close after it was suspended for 90 days by U.S. authorities over allegations it paid bribes and used incorrect papers to adopt children in the Congo. One World Adoption Services, founded in 2003, worked with citizens in the United States and Canada interested in adopting babies from Africa, South America, and the Caribbean, according to its website. They were really left with no choice but to close, Joel Ferdinand, One World's attorney, told Reuters on Friday. The nonprofit agency could not financially afford to go three months without making adoptions, Ferdinand said. The agency's 120 pending adoption cases will be transferred to other agencies, he added. The suspension was over alleged bribery and false and improper documentation for adoptions in the Congo, Ferdinand said. One World, quote, unequivocally disputes the allegation, the lawyer said. The Council on Accreditation, the nonprofit group that is authorized by the U.S. State Department to accredit adoption agencies did not return phone calls and emails seeking comment. So as you can tell, it appears that One World Adoption Services has quite the sordid history with faulty adoption practices, whether it be falsified paperwork or even bribery. Being as these two articles, the first being in 2007 and the second being in 2014, are seven years apart, almost a decade. The image on your screen here is from a blog written by Amanda, and in fact it's actually written about that same adoption agency 
agency called One World Adoption Services, and it's about her experience with the faulty, corrupt agency back in November of 2010. Let's take a look at another adoption agency called Heart to Heart Adoption Services that has also had some pretty bad allegations leveled against it. Let's once again fast forward now to the year of 2016 and a website called musings of a birth mom another blog johnny is a father to a beautiful little girl named jamika that was born on october 18th 2016 in georgia jamika's mom while heavily medicated having had a tubal ligation the previous day and under duress on october 19th 2016 was driven to two attorney's offices by bonnie lynn hilton of heart to heart adoptions based out of utah the first attorney's office was closed due to being later in the business day. The second attorney was open, and it was there that Jamika's mom agreed to waive all her rights in the state of Georgia in regards to her child and the adoption, and instead go by Utah law. She also terminated her parental rights. Georgia law doesn't have any waiting period to do this. It can be done a minute after the baby is born. It was just Jamika's mom, Bonnie Lynn Hilton, the attorney, and a notary, Lucinda S. Hand signing away her rights while she was medicated, recovering from giving birth in a major operation the day before. Let me say that again. Jamika's mom signed legal documents that waived her rights and protections under Georgia law and terminated her parental rights to her child a day after giving birth and having a major operation while medicated on opiates. Bonnie Lynn Hilton of Heart to Heart Adoptions in Utah arranged this. The father, Johnny, was apparently not aware that this was transpiring. Heart to Heart Adoptions claimed that they weren't even aware of who the father was. This blog, though, asserts that that was a, quote, blatant lie, however. Johnny actually drove mom to the hospital with labor pains and was at the hospital. The blog goes on to state that the fact that this child, Jamika, had a father was clearly known because Jamika's doctor even checked her vitals while in Johnny's arms. Johnny cared for Jamika while her mom was sedated from the tubal ligation. While he was not yet on the putative father registry, he had made attempts to legitimize her and provided support to her mother during the pregnancy. According to Georgia law, notice should have been given to Johnny that his child was attempting to be put up for adoption and he would then have 30 days to legitimize his child, a legal process in Georgia which gives a father rights to his child. But none of this was done and his child was gone the day after she was born. While Jamika's mom was tricked into waiving her rights and protections under Georgia law, Johnny did not agree to waive his rights and protections and was very vocal that he did not want an adoption to take place. His daughter was born in Georgia and all of his rights as well as Jamika's remain intact. This makes two Kasky connected adoption agencies that are alleged to have conducted unethical or illegal practices related to adoption. One World was forced to shut down after the bribery and use of so-called incorrect adoption papers to adopt kids in the Congo, and Heart to Heart has been accused of adopting out a child despite that child having a father, and even worse, allegations saying that they took advantage of a mother that was drugged on opiates after a surgery in an attempt to have her sign over her parental rights under duress. It is important to note, however, that the allegations against Heart to Heart are just that, allegations. With One World Adoption Services, though, that's a different story. That is bona fide truth on record and searchable. Now, I'm no adoption 
adoption expert, so maybe things like this happen all the time. I mean, maybe the type of situation Jeff Kasky's adoption organizations got into were due to honest mistakes. And the same goes for Laura Silsby from my last video, right? Regarding Haiti in 2010 and the abduction of those 33 kids. Maybe she really didn't know that she had to fill out additional paperwork before taking those 33 kids into an entirely different country. Who knows, right? Mistakes happen. The name Jeff Kasky, or at least the last name Kasky, might be sounding a little familiar to you at this moment. So before we move any further, go ahead and whip out your coincidence folder and prepare to add this little detail to it. And now, a new super PAC, started by the parents of Parkland students, is focusing on lawmakers who aren't tough on assault weapons, those who have the NRA's support. One of the first races they're focused on is the Florida Senate race between, race between Governor Rick Scott and longtime Democratic Senator Bill Nelson. I'm joined now by Jeff Kasky. Jeff is the father of two Marjorie Stoneman Douglas students, including Cameron Kasky, one of the more outspoken survivors of the Parkland shooting, uh, school shooting. Uh, he's also the president of Families versus Assault Rifles Super PAC. Jeff, good to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. That's a pretty crazy coincidence, right? I've got a better one for you, though. First, I do have to clarify something. Throughout this video, we've discussed two different adoption agencies. One was Jeff Kasky's, the One World Adoption Services, and the other was Heart to Heart Adoption Services, which is the one that adopted out the child despite having a father present in her life. Those two agencies are technically separate entities. However, they both connect to Jeff Kasky, though. And how they connect is the fact that Heart to Heart Adoption Services is a member of the Florida Adoption Council, and the Florida Adoption Council was founded by none other than Jeff Kasky. Well, Jamika was adopted out to parents named Andy and Melissa Moore. Now, if you go to Andy Moore's LinkedIn page, you'll see that he is labeled as Public Sector Print Specialist at HP, Mountain West Region. Now, if you go down to the recommendations sections and navigate over to the given tab, you'll see that he gave a woman named Rebecca Harms a positive review that read, while at Lionbridge, Rebecca provided administrative support for me and my team. Rebecca was an exceptional employee. She was a perfectionist and I can always count on her to provide accurate and timely information. She was proactive and always willing and able to stretch beyond her job title. If I had an important task, I gave it to Rebecca because I knew that nothing would stand in her way. I highly recommend Rebecca. And over here, under her name, you could see that she's a uh, senior human resources professional, influencing and engaging diverse workforce since 2006. And in October 29, 2008, Andy was senior to Rebecca, but didn't manage her directly. So if you visit Rebecca Harms' LinkedIn account, this will reveal you know, where she's worked at in the past. And if you scroll all the way down her page, you'll see that she worked for a company called personalshopper.com. Personalshopper.com is the same personalshopper.com that Laura Silsby created in the late 1990s. 